This episode is brought to you by Breathe Easy Productions. Dream, plan, do. Welcome to the What Do Women Know? What do women know? What do women know? Podcast. I'm Jessica O'Keefe. This episode, Allison Hanlon joins us to discuss her multifaceted career, from lawyer to third-generation owner of her family's business, Gardner Insurance Agency. Allison is the first woman to own and manage Gardner Insurance Agency, and in doing so has ushered in a new age for the company. From developing a maternity leave policy, to accommodating the developing needs of working women, to implementing her legal knowledge, and helming a team of experienced, professional, community-driven, and bilingual insurance agents. It is refreshing and liberating to hear Allison's straight talk, from with her children to her team of employees, with plenty of respect but with very little sugarcoating. Allison highlights how you don't have to be warm and fuzzy, but that every perspective is worth hearing and considering. With this wisdom in mind, I introduce mother, wife, lawyer, and business owner, Allison Hanlon. Allison Hanlon, thank you for joining us on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm very impressed with the way that you are so blunt and charming at the same time. (laughs) What a a skill. (laughs) It is. is. And I imagine that that really helps in running your own business. It does. I find that my approach is very straightforward with my employees. And I also, full disclosure, have a family member employed. So she's known me my entire life, my sister. I'm really consistent with being very straightforward with them, but but I like my employees. So I don't, I don't think it's like a forced charm or anything. Like I really do think that I'm really straightforward, but I also want people to like me. So I try to strike that little balance somewhere in the middle. I love that. I'm impressed too, by how much you, you embrace being a mother separately from your drive for work. I have trouble separating the two and I, I have to do it for somebody else or I don't do it. Well, I, I don't think it's been a real popular view with the generation before me, maybe it's something I think my mom's kind of had to acclimate to with me. She was a stay at home mom and so dedicated to my sister and me and our family, which was awesome. But for me, I always knew that I wanted a career. I I practiced law for a little bit and then I took over this family business and it's just always been, I just like having all those irons in the fire. I I love being a mom. I love doing that. And you know, like anybody, there's such a push and pull on each side. It's hard to let one thing go and be real dedicated to the other in in the moment. But I, I don't know if it's really something to even be impressed by because it has come so naturally to me to be thrilled with my career and be excited to do that. And then also when I'm home, I like being with my kids. I I enjoy that just as much, but I keep them pretty separate. I am impressed by that. I have difficulty with, with separation. find it very refreshing hearing how you experience life. Like I lifted like, oh, you can do that. Do I want to do that? <laughs> I think a while ago, I heard some another working mom say to me that she embraced her career. She thought that it was in a way, even though it was separate from her kids and something that she really wanted to do, it was for her. And that you do all these things as a mom, everything you do when you get up, like the first thing you're doing is getting the kids ready for school and, or getting them to soccer or whatever it is like really every day I'm thinking about them always in my career is something that's for me that I do for me. And, and I, I liked that. Like, I don't think that that's selfish. I think that that keeps me going. It makes me a better mom. I think it's a good example for my boys, for them to see a woman doing something for herself, not just for the family, but something that's her, that brings her enjoyment and fulfillment in her own right. Absolutely. Absolutely. My own mom had 
trouble with postpartum depression. And it was partly associated with not having her career vibrant at that moment after my birth. I have heard so many stories of friends going into this postpartum depression. You're tapping onto something about that we all need art. We all need work. We all need something. Yeah. You need to have your own thing that is that is just yours. That as moms, sometimes we feel like if we don't answer the question, what gets you up in the morning? If, if our first answer isn't like my kids, my, that's what, that's my reason for living. They're the most important people in my life, you know, including my husband and they bring me so much joy beyond what I ever thought. I mean, they're hilarious. They're fun. There are all these things, but I also want something that's, that's mine too. You know, I'm like a, a person walking around this earth too. I'm not just here for them. There's a way for them to coexist. And I definitely experienced, as, as you say, some postpartum depression after both of my boys, um, in particular, after my second one. And I found going back to work really did. And I went, I went back pretty early. It really did help resolve some of that for me. Cause I could hyper-focus for those hours on the work. Nobody needed anything from me. I was, I was doing something for me it feels like something that really energizes me to be a better mom when I get home. Like, Hey, I've done my thing. I've checked those boxes today. And now here we are. Let's do some reading. Let's make dinner together, whatever it's going to be. Something I've realized about myself. And and perhaps I wonder if this is, is the people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I am such a people pleaser struggled to have boundaries and to figure out what I want. Most I'm actually very happy sometimes. I don't know. I mean, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. Don't make me not people, please. Yeah. Don't make me come up with my own answer. It might sound selfish and have nothing to do with you. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. But it's so unconscious for me too. And it's like hearing other women yeah. speak, especially through the podcast, speak about who they are and uh, women like you who are very free and self-assured in saying these things. I It makes me act. It's like, it's almost like cracking open my brain and being like, no, there's another way to be. You don't have to be. Yeah. People pleaser. There's just so much pressure on moms. And I know this is probably something you've heard a lot in this podcast and it's such a reoccurring theme and it's not, it's not coming from a place of victimhood, but there is a lot of pressure. And the only way that comes off of your shoulders is to take it off. You know, I asked a therapist one time, like, how do I make this stop? How do I, how do I stop this dance? And he goes, just stop dancing. You stop. And I think that the society puts it on us no doubt about that, but we put a lot on ourselves too, right? Like you have to people, please everybody. You have to, you have to be everything to everybody all the time. And it, it, that's, that's like a dead end road. Yeah. Thank you for your leadership. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. I'm leading the way. Let's do what's good for you. Ladies, you be selfish. <laughs> self-care isn't going to get a pedicure and self-care isn't scheduling a massage or saying like, I'm going to go to bed early. Like those things are important and that's good. And if you have a partner at home that can support you doing those things. I think that's awesome. But self-care to me is have your career. If you want it, once you start talking about with other women, they're like, yeah, I really do like my career. If I'm not overwhelmed, I'm sort of not happy. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm going to reference my therapy a lot. Cause I'm like a huge believer in therapy. Well, I love that. My mom was a psychologist. So. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a good thing. I think to check in once a month or every other week or whatever, and have someone that kind of knows you. He said to me, who are you? If you take away all these distractions, like if you're not constantly going and I think like redefining yourself, you know, not as a career woman, not as a mom, but what is you without the kids, without the job, without 
all the things going on. If I'm not the person that's always constantly busy or constantly hosting parties or at the school and at my work and blah, 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 like, who am I? You know, and I think that's a good place to start from because then you can start rebuilding. What do I want to do? What do I, how do I want to be perceived by my kids? How do I want to be perceived in my career? Just you asking that question, I was having a panic attack. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, no, I have to. <laughs> Don't take away like my PTA meetings and my crazy commute to work. I've got to have the anxiety. If I don't have the anxiety, I don't know myself. It's like a, a security blanket, right? It is. That's such an amazing diagnosis. <laughs> I have to give it to the therapist. Wow. I'm impressed too with you. You took over your dad's company, right? Yeah. And it was originally my grandpa's in 19, he bought it in 1958. And then my dad bought it from him in 1973. I practiced law for a few years and I, I really enjoyed law school, but I didn't enjoy being a lawyer. I like the writing and the arguing, but the actual practice of law is, you know, it's a grind. So I went to my dad and he was getting ready to sell the business. And he goes, you know, you could come in here and I'll sell it to you for a fair rate over a long period of time to make it doable for you. And I, I talked to a couple of people that were attorneys that were mentors to me. And I said, Hey, I'm thinking of getting out of it. What do you think? I talked to people in the insurance industry. Hey, do you think I do okay at this? And uh, the consensus at the end was go for it and don't look back. And I did. And it's been, it's been great. Wow. Yeah. It's not a glamorous industry insurance, but I have learned that it's pandemic proof. So there's that. (laughs) What kind of insurance do you sell? So we do home and auto personal lines. So we don't do any big commercial or anything like that. We're real mom and pop, so to speak, firm or sister and sister, I guess. (laughs) High volume, but we have a lot of contact with our clients, which I'm really proud about. So I have two offices, one up in LA, and then I opened the second one in 2013, just wanting to have more of a community presence in Orange County, since this is my hometown where my kids go to school and play baseball and all that. So it's been really good. Actually, another guy that went to our high school is an agent here, Nick Calvert. It is. It really is a community insurance. It is. It's a community business. Yeah. You get to know people a lot and it's a, it's a real people serving business, which I've learned. It's important to have an insurance company and an insurance agent. Have an agent. Yeah. That you can call anytime. Real. It's a lot of word of mouth referrals. That's our real bread and butter. You do a good job for people and they're able to call you on the weekend because their 17 year old got in a car accident and they're freaking out or a pipe burst at their house. Their RV won't start up or whatever. I mean, I, we try to be available to everybody for that. So you do right by the clients. They send their friends and family to you. How has it worked during coronavirus being an insurance company? We were mostly doing things. When I took over the business, there was no technology in place. My dad would stand next to his fax machine and be like, well, old faithful over here is still working. Like, all right, dad. I mean, nobody's really sending faxes, but all right. Just recycled our fax machine. (laughs) I mean, and he, he was like obsessed with it too. Like you're getting all that you're spending all this money on this stuff. But then he started to see like, it really does help with volume. It does help with availability. And I started saying like these younger clients, they want you to be available to them. And that's not going to happen with a fax machine. So yeah, we started adding, adding more technology. So we were lucky when in that way, when coronavirus hit, we can do so much over the phone, so much over email, so much over zoom. If we have to, if I really need to talk to somebody about something So we were lucky in that way, we weren't doing a lot of in-person things, but I think older clients like to come in and see their agent. They're used to it, especially my dad's like, they wanted to come in and see Dennis's daughter and talk to her about it. So, you know, we still get in LA, we still get stragglers like outside of the building looking in like, 
are you going to open? I have a cash payment I need to make or whatever it is. You know, we try to accommodate them when they come around. We have a lot of people sold their cars. So there are a lot less people on the road. I would say because we and all insurance companies capture a premium partially based on how much you're on the road, obviously it decreases your exposure to an accident. If you're on the road more, a lot of people have reduced their miles by a lot. And I've noticed younger drivers aren't getting their licenses. When we were kids, you were at the DMV on your 16th birthday. Like, all right, sign me up, take me out on the road. These kids, they want to stay home and play video games. They're certainly not driving to school right now. Hopefully that changes. So a lot of young kids are, it's starting to taper off, but a lot of younger drivers, inexperienced drivers tend to be 20, 21. Whereas before when, when we were kids, it was like 16, 17 yes. and more homebound seeing a real boom right now with homeowners insurance. Cause everybody's refining the rates are so good. So when they refi, they take a look at their homeowners insurance. Like, ah, can I get it cheaper? Should I add this? Should I add that? Every time there's an earthquake, we have a million calls. I need to get earthquake insurance. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that younger people are buying homes younger rather than the cars? Like, I recently heard about a young couple, two young couples buying a house together. And I'm like, I wish I had thought of that. Two young couples together. Mm -hmm. So they basically bought a house so they would have an investment and then they can sell it down the road. Yeah. That way they're not paying rent. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there are a lot of young people that are buying houses around here. People buy condos. Yeah. Up in LA, there's a lot of affordable housing. I'm in Montebello, which is Whittier, Pico Rivera, up there, San Gabriel Valley. There's a lot of young people moving in. These really cute little craftsman houses, the 1950s construction, and, and a lot of younger families are moving in and building them up. So the towns are starting to look really cute, like a Long Beach vibe. Those are great houses. I know. I like them too. And it's cute to see what they're doing with it. A lot of Pinterest boards going on. Yeah. <laughs> You've been fortunate to balance work and home life while developing policies for your own business. Yeah, I think that's something that is probably unique to my situation. I mean, I don't think a lot of women go back to work or or go take a job and then go, I'm going to develop the uh, maternity leave policy and procedure for Merrill Lynch. You know, like, I don't think anybody's doing that. That's a real opportunity that I had because my family's business was owned by two men before me, my grandpa and my dad. And during that time, if you got pregnant, you quit work. So, or, I mean, they, my dad did have working moms employed for him, but I think they took it upon themselves. They weren't looking for him to make a maternity leave policy or anything. They were trying to get back to work as soon as they could. And I just felt like it was really important as I was starting to think about starting a family. I had just gotten married. I took over the business and I got married the next year and we got pregnant really quickly, thankfully. And it was like, well, how is this going to work? It was really competing generations with my dad, competing generations and complete competing household roles. Not to say that dads and moms are competing, but he had a different perspective than I did on when a woman should go back to work. He also was thinking of me as a business owner. You need to be here. You know, you can't just be gone for eight weeks. And I was like, well, physically, I think I'm going to need to be gone for eight weeks. And, you know, we were all as a family, my mom at the time kept the books. My sister's one of my employees. And so we were all kind of trying to figure it out together as a family and as a family owned business. Ultimately, as my role as a working mom unfolded, I was able to put in place policies and procedures that I feel like were what I would have wanted out of an employer, which is even obviously before coronavirus, I wanted to have a program where my employees could take the time off that they needed to physically recoup, to bond with their children. And then if they needed a way to work from home part-time or answer phones part-time, I, I put technology in place so that there could be some kind of hybrid 
transition back into, into full-time working if that's what they wanted. I think it's worked out well. We've only had since mine, a few other pregnancies. I think women tend to just rise to the occasion. And I think if you don't put the pressure on them, I'm not standing over my employees. Like, well, you better get back to work. If you tell a woman like, Hey, get your stuff done. And I'm not going to micromanage you. I think they just do. That's been my experience. Yeah. You know, I haven't had a single female employee take advantage of that at all. Everybody's risen to the occasion because I think they feel like, yeah, I want to do a good job for someone who cares about my happiness, my connectivity to my child, because that's going to make them a better employee when they come back to work. I mean, I have a small business, so I don't know how well this would work at a huge corporation, but for a small mom and pop, like that's the beauty of having a small business. We can kind of do it how we want to, how we want to do it, see what works, see what doesn't work. Yeah. I was able to shape that maternity leave policy so that it worked for everyone. That's incredible. It really gives you hope for the future. Yes. I think as more women start to move into leadership roles, like, you know, I'm in a mom and pop business, but I think, I think as we see more women start to move into corporate leadership and political leadership, I think that we're going to see some more of the understanding or more accommodating policies with this kind of thing. I think women that are given those opportunities to work from home or work a hybrid schedule or work a part-time schedule, I think they're going to rise to the occasion. I think med would too, but I, you know, I'm not going to speak to that. (laughs) be fine as they always do, but you know, yeah. my experience has been that when you give my, my female employees, uh, certainly those who have had to go on maternity leave have really done a great job when they've come back balancing work and home. And I just, I mean, they inspire me too. like, okay, we can do this together. We're working as a team. If you can't come in, I'll come in. I mean, everyone's trying to take care of everybody else in a way, you know, so that we can all have that flexibility. Yeah. It's hard to be a parent and then to go back to a business or to be in business and have your children at your hip, or I particularly chose to be in a business where I could work from home right? and I could take them with me if I have to right? with an iPad in the stroller. Uh, Obviously. (laughs) Clearly. Yeah. I keep them in the car too. Believe me. Yeah. I mean, we've all had to take our kids to work with us one way or the other. And I I actually think it's a real challenge to work from home when your kids are there. That separation is so hard to do to say nothing of the household chores that are on your mind or the unfolded laundry that's been in the dryer for three days. It's hard for me when I'm at home. It's hard for me not to think about those things. Yeah. Just go downstairs. I can knock it out in five minutes, 40 minutes later. I mean, the house is clean, but you haven't tended to your work. Right. I think it's it's hard to work from home. It is. A friend of mine said, you just have to step back and like lay down for a second. You do. Take a breath. Referencing what you said earlier about you just stop doing the dance. Ah, uh, yeah. So in speaking of not doing the dance or slowing mm-hmm. down, what is your technique for overcoming obstacles? To that extent, I'm definitely a regrouper. And I think that that's been a product of being older, growing, growing up, I guess. Before, when I was in my 20s, it would be like push forward. The more you take on, the harder you push, the taller the climb, all of this, that's going to define you as a, as a successful person. That means that you're really dug into your career. And now I've realized as things come up in the business or in my life or in parenting, I can solve almost anything if I step back and I take a breath and I regroup instead of like bulldozing forward through it which is my personality and certainly my tendency. That's how I, that's my first line of defense. Like just go harder, go harder. But I've never really solved anything doing that. All I've done is stress myself out. So I think trying to take a deep breath and regroup has been a really good tactic for me in business and in life. Yes. (laughs) How do you define a successful day? 
a good day for me is just always going to come back to balance. I like every working mom have a bunch of balls in the air all the time. I'm spinning plates. And when I can really lay my head down on the pillow and think I invested in my marriage, I invested in my kids, I invested in my business. I checked in with my folks. When I've done a a little bit of everything, I feel accomplished. And I think that once I've settled in with the reality that I can't get an A plus in every single subject, I can't. So I've readjusted like, Hey, if I get a B minus today, that's still a passing grade. I'm still above average. For so long, it was like, I have to be the best at every single thing that I do. I want to be the best mom. I want to be the best wife. I want to be best at my business. I want to grow and make more money and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, that's unattainable. And it's exhausting. Like even talking about it's exhausting. So I think once I started to let myself off the hook for the A plus report card every day, I can be happier. I can enjoy every part of my life a little bit more and recognize like, Hey, some days things are going to suffer. Some days the kids are going to get extra time on their iPad. Some days my employees are going to have to deal with whatever technology crisis arises and it doesn't get solved till tomorrow. We're all going to be okay. Yeah. And you'll get a B minus and uh, we'll all move on from it tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be a new day. It'll be a new day. And we'll probably get a B minus tomorrow too. So let's just not set the expectation up too high. Okay. Some of it's just about letting yourself off the hook. And I, for me, that has been the biggest challenge of my late thirties and now turning 40, I think letting myself off the hook for some of this stuff so that I can enjoy it. And it's not, it doesn't feel like such a grind. I mean, after these are all things I chose, I chose to be a mom. I chose to be a business owner. And so why not enjoy it? Yeah. That's really refreshing. You know, you have this, this, uh, bright feeling to you. I definitely wasn't always like that. I've had friends that have started to let themselves off the hook for things. And it is, it's contagious. Like, Oh man, you're still happy. You still make good money. Your kids are still fine. Like do their socks match? Definitely not. But like, everybody's happy. My husband likes me. I think like he's, I think he's still pretty into me. So everything's okay. Nothing's perfect. Nothing is for sure. Getting an A plus, but I'm cool with it. It's brilliant. Taking some time. We all can learn from that. Yeah. It's like, we're all trying to pass it around. I mean, but a good day would also be wine tasting with my friends. So, I mean, there's that too. I've heard you so much speak your own language. Do you have your own language? I would say my language is a straightforward. I'm a straight talker. I mean, I do like my analogies, obviously, but yeah, I like to be straightforward. And I do this with my kids and my employees, not to say that my employees, I can compare them to children, but just in my approach with anything that I'm in a leadership position in is that I want to consider everybody's input. I want to consider everybody's ideas, but at the end of the day, like I want to be straightforward about how I feel, what I need, what my expectations are. I don't consider myself a super warm and fuzzy person in that way. So I, I feel like I've had some success with it, with my kids and with my, with my employees, with my family being more straightforward. And again, that's come over time too. Cause when you're people pleaser, right. You'll just like, you say whatever. And you say what you think the person wants to hear in the moment. Or you just keep beat. You just, you suck it in. Are you a barrier? Do you bury I'm it? A barrier. I'm like, everything is fine. <laughs> I've never been happier. Everything's great. The honesty with yourself and others. And it's still, it's such a work in progress. I have relationships in my life, even, you know, as of this moment that I consider to be very challenging. And I find myself when I met with those, like I recently had to let an employee go. He wasn't getting along with people in the office. And to me, you can, you can have low production or maybe you have a different style of selling, but like, if you can't get along with your coworkers who are all pretty cool, I have a problem with that when you just can't manage the interpersonal stuff. Anyways, I find myself tripping over my words in those 
those moments of conflict, that's when it's hardest for everybody, right? When there's conflict or when there's a difference of opinion, it's hard for me to be a leader. I do start to trip over myself a little bit with that. And I have to regroup and center and say it simple. The truth is simple. Be straightforward, be simple. Don't over-explain. And I, I find myself like really struggling with that still. So I have to get back to the straight talk. And usually it comes down to say the truth. Just say it real simply. What's the truth? The truth is simple. The truth is simple. When you're over explaining something, I do that when people call me with an accident and they tell me like, it wasn't my fault. If it really wasn't your fault, you would just say, Hey, the guy ran into me. If it's true, it's going to be simple. Like, Hey, yeah, I am doing this thing for myself (laughs) and it feels good. And I'm probably going to do it again. So there's that. (laughs) I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. This is like something for you. This for me. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. What's a project you have for your future? Something on the horizon for the business is rebranding for younger consumers. And I'm sure you've had all kinds of people on talking about how big of a market share the millennials are taking up now. I have a carrier, one of my carriers, Safeco, does a lot of industry studies and tests and stuff. And they've made these determinations, what big of a market share that the millennials are taking. And now it'll be the next one, which is what I think it's Gen Z is coming after them. They're taking up so much of the market share because not only do they make a a decision as a consumer, but they influence their mom and dad. Now they have kids and they influence them. And because millennials are so invested in, and they believe in social media so much, there's so much influencing going on. So I'm trying to take on the project of rebranding for younger people. So it's hard. I'm in a boring industry. And then I have like a family business that's done things a certain way for 60 years or whatever it is. And so, you know, there's that. And what is a projection or a quote, something that we as listeners can take with us? The biggest lesson that I'm in right now, this is probably like very consistent with our conversation that we've had, but the quote that I would say is, do it from love, not for love. And again, I'm going to give some credit to a therapist for that. But the idea is do something because you want to do it, do it from love. And whether it's like dinner at your in-laws or it's a business decision, or it's something for your kids or for your husband, like when you're in that people pleasing mode, when you're a working mom and you're doing stuff all the time, like really ask yourself, do I want to be doing this? So do it from love. Don't do it so that someone else will give you credit for it. Don't do it. So someone else will think you're awesome. That's for love. Do it from love. That requires things to be a little simpler, which is hard, but that would be my little my little quote, do it from love, not for love, taking away that people pleasing bit big time. That's the point of it. Yeah. It applies to everything. Once you start breaking down, like, man, I'm doing so many things for other people. Like, what do I want to do? It's more genuine I'm doing it. Cause I really want to not because I need something from you or I need you to tell me I'm awesome. Or I need, I'm doing it from love. Cause I want to, those are the projects. Those are the ways that you attract more. Yeah. You put that out there, like, whether it's business or family, like You put that out there that you're genuinely doing something and it's not selfish and it's not self-care. It's like, you're doing things because you want to. Allison Hanlon, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for this enlightening discussion and thank you for sharing your wisdom. I, I feel happier. (laughs) Well, thank you. This has been a really fun conversation for me too. Thank you for having me. 